Craft Beer Radio, episode 429, on July 9th, 2017. Smash mouth on the stereo, rocking with the top down as hell a rat, now here we go! And welcome to Craft Beer Radio. A couple boobs in Pittsburgh are listening to Boobs in California. Boobs in California are the greatest boobs around. So, um, what do we got? We got a bunch of cans today. If you're not watching the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, that's where that came from. I'm going to put out my award here. Oh, yes. So we got three beers from the fellas at the Can Can Awards. They just had their first canned beer competition. Uh, I noticed a lot of breweries on Twitter retweeting their their wins mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they sent us three different beers of all gold medals. So the show has already been selected yeah. to probably be better than your average show. And then the other three beers, the ones you brought back from Philly. That's right. So do you want to start with the ESB? We have... Maybe you start with the wheat. I've got a Hefeweizen, an ESB, mm-hmm. and this uh, Hoppy American Pills, or kind of the the, start, the lightest yeah. three. I'm gonna go with the ESB because I want to get I want to see if that you know sometimes an ESB can be overpowered by other beers along the line. All right. So this is uh, a beer we know nothing about because we're not 19 years old. <laughs> when I went to the website for Bomber ESB, the the warning, you know, the thing that pops the up. Age gate. The age gate said, are you 19 years of age? Yes and or no. I said no because I wasn't. And it, went, and it went, took me to Google. So, yeah, that's not, you know, 19 years or older. I guess of age works, but. At least. Yeah. Have you spent 19 years on this earth? Uh, this is 5.2% alcohol by volume. Maybe it, it's a Canadian thing. Maybe, Maybe that's be. perfectly sensible in Canada. So th- the label, so they, they gave us that this one 2017 Can Can Awards ESB category. Go to cancanawards.com. This is canned uh, April 27th, 2017, so it's pretty fresh. Not super duper fresh, but pretty fresh. The color is a kind of a, a, a woody brown. Mm-hmm. Very clear. Restrained aroma. It's first thing, you know. It's not. It's not out there so far. So they say uh, British Columbia grown, uh, grown barley, crystal malts, and uh, North America's aromatic hops. So yeah, it smells pretty malty with uh, with a bit of a kind of a fruity tangerine like uh, aroma. Yeah, I'm getting a, uh, you know, kind of a. I don't want to describe it, I guess. Uh, no, all the, all the common bread terms I go to are, are not a good fit. I'm trying to come up with something accurate, and it's maybe cookie-like. You know, there's a little bit of a... Oh, all right. I can see a little bit of a cookie dough. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, now I'm smelling the hops are coming through uh, a little bit more. And tangerine's a good call. Yeah, there's a kind of a fruitiness there. A lot more bitter than I was expecting on that first sip. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of hop flavor, too. Yeah. It, the hop flavor, you know, you're kind of getting a, a little bit of a pithy orange. 
I'm really waiting for the. I mean, the malt should be key in an ESP. An ESP should came be. Came through for me. It came through after the hops have faded. Kind of there was a second push of kind of um, like grape nuts or you know like a multi cereal type thing uh, came later. But you have to actually wait for the the hop flavor, which is really the lead note on the flavor of this thing. Hmm. This doesn't feel to me like a classic ESB. It's no, it's not classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like it. I, when you wait for the malt, it comes through and it, it is a different style of beer than a pale ale mm-hmm. or something like that. This has, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a Vienna pale. <laughs> No, not even uh, <laughs> because because I'm not getting the kind of caramel or or, or toasty notes I typically expect out of an ESB. Yeah, it, it, it might actually be it has like some some brown ale flavors to it. Actually, some of the malts are kind of a little more. Yeah, brown okay, ale I can sort of see that, but it doesn't feel slightly astringent like a brown ale, or mm-hmm. it doesn't have. No, I'm not saying it's yeah, a dead ringer. I'm just saying like nutty qualities like I expect out of a good brown ale. So that's why I'm like bringing Vienna Mux. I'm thinking of okay, I can sort of see a kind of Vienna-ish, slightly pe- slight, just slightly peaty malt uh, with the combination of the hops, kind of giving you a slightly peaty combination. Yeah, see, I, for me, I, I would stay away from using either Munich or Vienna well, as a. You're not me. I know. I know. I, I disagree, sir. Uh, for me, it's distinctly different from a Munich or a Vienna type malt. It 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 definitely has. Some hallmarks of a brown ale or an ESB or something like that. Now, is this, you know. It's not Maris Otter. No. Well, it's British Columbian grown malts. Uh, so, as I'm drinking this, the hops are still out front. Getting And like I said, the flavor is really. It's not too bitter. There's a little bit of bitterness there, but I mean, the hop flavor. This yes, I mean, it's not too bitter in the sense that, you know, I was not expecting it to be as bitter as it was. Mm-hmm. No, um, neither was I. Yeah, but you know, it's not like an IPA or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, but there's there's a they say forty uh, IBUs, so it's you know it's got enough to to make you notice. It's see a good ESB to me. What I'm looking for is a is a malt focused beer that still has enough bitterness to to make it so that malt doesn't get overly sweet. Um, but the malt should be really leading the leading the uh, charge, and it's not here. That said, I think it's a fine beer. I just not quite sure how to categorize it, so it's harder for me mm-hmm. to come up with easy terms for like, oh yeah, I like this and I like this because I'm just having a tough time putting it into a, the the right slot in the plinko board. Right, I'm with you. It, it's not what I think of when I think of a mm-hmm. classic ESB. Oh, it, it, you know, and it's really different from my expectations going yeah. in. But I think it's a good beer. It, it, what would you call it? Where does it fit? I don't think there's necessarily a style where it does fit. It's not a hoppy red. It's not a brown yeah. ale. It's yeah. not a pale ale. Yeah. I, I guess hoppy bit, hoppy bitter, hoppy bitter might work. Is is. American, American Can- Canadian ESB. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not an American beer. Uh, Canadian yeah. ESB, maybe. I, I don't know what it would fit into, but uh, you know, we'll see how the rest of the lineup shakes out. It's- I, I think 
you're you're closer with pale ale than anything else. Um, probably, but that the maltiness that does come through is right. is distracting from yeah. that for sure. All right, so that was Bomber Brewing's ESB. What are you doing with your phone, man? Oh, I'm trying to see. I was trying to look at the CanCan Awards site. Why did you use your computer for that? Because then I turned sideways, and I figured I could just... I got it right here. I was, okay. I was going to pretend I had this information in front of me already, but you called me out. <laughs> well, just like when Nick is here on the phone, yeah. it, uh, for some reason... If I was using my phone, computer, it yeah. wouldn't bug you as much? No, it's, for some reason, using the computer it doesn't feel as... I, th- I think the phone distracts people more in a weird way. Maybe it's just the form factor is... is and you have to use both hands or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it, it's more distracting. I thought it would be less distracting instead of me getting all the way over here and, and whatnot. Because when I'm – your computer's in front of you. Mine's yeah. off to the right, right. And I'm not very effective at researching information on the computer. Now, maybe I should reorient my workspace, but just the way it is, it's fine for occasional things. But it's not effective for me staying engaged in the conversation and researching something. So I thought I'd use my phone, but Greg don't like it. Well, you weren't saying engage in the conversation, were you? I was trying to. <laughs> Next up is the Rarn Sun Summertime Wheat. Jeff is doing a little swirl to get some of the good stuff All at the, the bottom of the can. Good since it is a wheat beer. 5.5% Hefeweizen from Rarn Sons. Yep, that's all I got. Beer pours a uh, significantly uh, from Texas hazy beer. Ooh, light head on it. Well, we're not drinking out of Hefeweizen and glasses, but the head really didn't maintain itself for very long. Got a big clovey bubble gum right off the nose. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then like the wheat is in there, kind of that zesty, you know, the wheat type aroma. Color is like you would expect a hefe. It's you know straw-like, but very, uh, very translucent as opposed to transparent. So, oh, this smells legit. It yeah. has a, a huge clove and like bubble gum, like you said. Is it's not really too much banana on the aroma, but more of that bubble gum. Aroma. Yeah, more more bubble gum in the aroma. Could be more banana in the flavor. Yeah, tending a little bit more towards banana in the flavor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it comes in almost like banana cream pie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. That um, One thing I just had uh, Friday night was Penn Weizen. Okay. This challenges it. I haven't had Penn Weizen in a while. Is it, still, is it still as good as you remember? It was good. It was... Because I wasn't expecting much, because I was like, oh, you know, I had lots of half so, I mean, yeah. But it was better than I was expecting, because cool. like, it was like one of these things where the first sip, you're like, oh, yeah. So, but this is more, this is, it's also, it's also warmer, so a lot of the flavors mm-hmm. are probably coming right. out uh, stronger. But this is, you know, more punchy right away. Yeah, so by warmer, we're at about 55 this is 60 degrees, so yeah. about 55 degrees on the beer. Mm-hmm. Which I was, uh, I told Jeff in, I think we 
mentioned in the pre-show mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Nick. I was out with Nick, and Nick had uh, watermelon Dorado for the first time. And he said, when he first had it, he actually liked it. And then as it got warmer, it got worse and worse and worse. And that kind of made sense because I was thinking, yeah, we generally drink the beers around 55 to 60. And if the beer is fine when it's you know, super cold, then we wouldn't know it. <laughs> no, we would completely miss out that yeah. whole, even if it's in the manufacturer's recommendation. Yeah, this Rar and Sons Hefe is delicious. It is, for me, it, it, it's almost like a slice of banana cream pie in a glass. You know, it's not coyly sweet, but it's mm-hmm. on the sweeter side. It's sweeter than a lot of Hefe's. Yes. And, but it works for me. You know, it, it's enjoyable. Uh, I'm satisfied with this one. Oh, yes, I think it's what you want when you have a Hefe. You want something that will, you know... Especially, they call it a summertime wheat, and I think that mm-hmm. that fits in that you want something that's um, a little bit a little bit stronger in terms of the flavor, to a little bit fruitier. Mm-hmm. Like, may, like there are times when I do want sort of a milder kind of just wheat, as opposed to big time esters and uh, and phenols. But I, I do like the you know ester and phenol like a hitting version like this that doesn't you know doesn't get cloying, doesn't get overpowering, but it is very tasty. I was at Double Wide today, and first beer I ordered on the menu, they had a, a Saison from Great Divide. I'm like, oh, a new Saison from Great Divide? I'll give that a try. Beer comes out. It's brownish with a red hint to it. I smell it. It smells like hibiscus flowers. Uh. It's like, oh, son of a gun. <laughs> Ruining a Saison with hibiscus. <sighs> well, did they? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's ginger in it. it don't call it a saison on the limited space on the beer menu if it's a ginger hibiscus mm. beer. I mean, I can see how that could work, but you want a, a pretty, either very light touch on the ginger and the hibiscus or a pretty powerful saison that can deal with those flavors. And let the, let the consumer know what they're getting. <sighs> One of the things that you've been mentioning on your Twitter is that you can't wait for somebody in Cran. You're like in this exclusion zone of breweries. Oh, it was. I, I did mention it. I, what did it, I can't remember why it came up. You're in a 300 yeah. mile, square mile exclusion zone. <laughs> yeah, there's. It's this weird. You know, there's a big density of breweries down in the city, uh-huh. and then you know, in this arc north of me, there's additional breweries. And, like, I had a couple people comment on my, my tweet saying, you know, like, you know, there's some right over there. I'm like, I know there's some right over there. I did minimal gerrymandering, right? Uh-huh. It's just an oval. But, you know, I was able to draw this 300-square-mile oval where there's a ton of population in affluent suburbs. Maybe maybe that's why. But uh, no breweries. It just Well, they, they tried one. This before these was, things really took was, off, and it wasn't that great. Yeah. But... The, yeah, part of the problem is yeah, I think that it's it's an affluent suburb, but it's also not necessarily like what a place where where people would go to hang out. Yeah, you know, you don't think oh, I'm going to go to Cranberry. And I mean, you, you, and the places you see a lot of breweries opening are you know industrial zones or you know rundown areas that are you know they're bringing they're, back. Yeah, you they're know? cheaper. Right, you know, rent is going to be cheaper. For so I mean, it's not the prime spot, but it just it seems unusual that there's this. Dead zone. 
It's such a large dead zone. I suppose, but you know, I, I definitely see like, the advantage of of a brewery trying to find a place that's you know, first of all, cheap to maintain mm-hmm. and rent because you don't you know, the taxes around here must be enormous, especially for a commercial place. Mm-hmm. And then you also want places where the kids are going to hang out and stuff like that. And I mean, not the kids, but you know what I mean, right? The hipsters, the hipsters, the younger ones, the millennials. What, co- what comes after millennial? Or I guess they're probably uh, born by now. Generation right? Y, right? No, no. After, oh, after. Um, I guess I don't know. Because the millennial, the Trumpies, got to be cutting off soon. You would think. What's All next? Right. So I guess the next beer in the order of you know palate friendliness would be this. Uh, Maniac that you brought back. The Weekender. The Weekender. A, they call it a Hoppy American Pills. Five point eight percent alcohol by volume. Thirty-eight IBU. The malt is Pills Malt. Pills Neural Hops. Uh, Columbus Citra Simcoe. It'll be interesting to see if it can maintain its Pilsner characteristic. Here's a little cloudier. You want to do a blendy blend? It's a little blendy blend. No, it's a little bit cloudier than his, so let's just make sure we're having the same beer, basically. It smells hoppy. Straw color again. Like I said, a little cloudy. Actually, pretty cloudy. So when I was doing the blendy blend... I got kind of a a sulfury, almost a skunky aroma that came off the beer. You know, it's a canned beer, right? Can't mm-hmm. be skunked. And when I stick my nose in the glass, I don't smell it. But when I was doing the blendy blend, I got this really well, strong skunk smell. Yeah, Columbus, Citroen, Simcoe, and um, Columbus, I think, has a tendency to, to go on the um, weedy side of things. Okay. And so this does smell... Uh, very similar to like a fresh dime bag. <laughs> a little dank, huh? Just a bit. The hops are, are leading. I think I smell kind of like a Pilsner malt, you know, a little bit of a spicy character on the aroma, but you can't really tell with as much hops coming off the sink as there is. Definitely comes across as something other than an IPA. The, the malt yeah, is yeah, the malt particularly. It's the malt significant. I mean, that's what I was curious yeah. about, right? With this American hopped pills with all these hops in it, was it going to taste different than a tropical IPA or mm-hmm. a phase two IPA? It does. the 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 malt and, and you know probably the fermentation and you know the production of, of esters and phenols from yeah. fermentation. It it maintains its kind of pale pilsner lineage. Definitely does. It has a. Um, very kind of sharp bitterness curve where it starts. Let me let me try this. Let me see if I can get this right. You start thinking sort of bready, kind of almost like slightly toasted white bread, and then the bitterness makes the flavor of the, of the malt kind of fall off a cliff mm-hmm. and get into uh, very kind of uh, gravity overtones with the with the bitterness. Um, the the hops then come through and give it uh, just just a kind of bit of bitterness, and, you know, just a slightest taste taste of orange or something like that, and it then it lends itself pretty clean, not super clean. Yeah, I'm surprised at 
with the hops that are in this, the kinds of hops that are in this, that it's not fruitier. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, along with the malt character that, that has that, you know, one of the best American pilsners for my money is Prima Pills from Victory. Mm-hmm. I really like how crisp that one is. It has this Americanized continental hop punch, right? It's all Zots and Hollers out or something like that. But it, it punches you hard, but it stays that spicy kind of herbal type hopping. And I'm surprised that this one kind of follows the same general avenue where, you know, up front, you know, it's kind of get that spiciness and I'm not getting too much fruitiness, too much onion or sulfur or dankness. Right. It's it's mostly spicy for me. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty good. Um, this is the second manioc uh, I've enjoyed. <laughs> and last week, the El Rio, which I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Instead of shrink wrap labels. Oh, well, we're enjoying the 16 ounces of fine manioc beer. Let's play the uh, March of the Baby Elephant. You know what's uh, coming soon? It's probably after this, this show is uh, put out, but hey. Prime Day. Prime Day. Prime Day is tomorrow? Okay. Sales and stuff? Is yeah, lots of is? sales. Okay. But it's like 36 hours. So it's not really a day so much as it is like. 36 isn't a prime number. That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Amazon they, Prime. Yeah. Craftyradio.com slash Amazon. You should go and buy Eclipse glasses there. Yes. Unless you are uh, a patron of Space Time, which since they're, they're sending us. Eclipse oh, glasses. yeah? yeah. Eclipse. That's nice. Yeah, if you live anywhere in the country, even if you're not going to the Eclipse... Uh, like in Pittsburgh, it's still going to be eighty percent covered. Right. Now that's not going to make the sky turn dark and the birds sing their evening tunes and stuff like it will in the Umbra. But it's still going to be pretty cool, and you'll still see like, especially through leaves and trees and stuff, mm-hmm. you'll see lots of the. Uh, but I mean, it's actually, it's probably just as important for you to have your eclipse glasses anywhere in North America. Yeah. As for the the crazy Umbra files who are going to the total eclipse, so go to craftyradio.com slash Amazon. The ones I got were from Celestron, a well-known uh, telescope maker. They're made in America. Almost all the paper eclipse glasses out there are uh, ISO certified, the film that's in them. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're pretty good to go with any of them, but I just wanted to get a little more assurance of made in America. The weird thing was, if you wanted to upgrade, like there was nothing between like $10 for five and $25 a piece. Like, there's no middle ground for, like, <laughs> like if you wanted to get, like, uh-huh. a little bit better glasses, it's either 10 for 5 or 25 a piece, you know? So, but get your Eclipse glasses. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. August 21st is the Eclipse. Two in the afternoon. I wonder if there's going to be a, a beer. There should be a bunch of places. I mean, the 5,000 breweries, there should be some some breweries making beers for the Eclipse, right? Probably. You have to drink it in two and a half minutes, or <laughs> you go blind. <laughs> that going blind is is a feature of another activity, <laughs> <laughs> which you can get done in two and a half minutes if you're if you're quick. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Greg took a note for the post show. So yes. tune in the post show if you want to hear more about that. This maniac's really tasty. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that is my stomach. Excuse, excuse. Beers are so for the Can Can Awards. Beers are assigned to judges with the specific and applicable experience with a particular category in question. Judges are never able to judge their own products or any products in relation to them. Uh, that's about all the information I see here about their judging category. Oh, it, it's sanctioned by the BJCP. So what that means. I believe is if you're a so if you're a certified judge, you can get points for judging in competitions, mm-hmm. and then when you accumulate a bunch of points, it helps you with higher ranks and stuff like that. I see. So judging for the Can Can Awards can earn you the judging points. You were recognized. Are you still in that status? I believe so. I don't think it's something you have to renew. Um, it's hard. <laughs> Judging for homebrew, it's, it's a lot of writing yeah. and not all that much fun. So I don't really seek it out all that much. I see. It's easier just to spew nonsense on here. We do have an easy job. All right. What's next? We have a two stouts and IPA. We got to do the IPA. I guess so. Decine Tropical IPA from Four Hands. the wrong beer that's the wrong beer i guess in order of the can can awards even the non can can beers are can beers tonight yes but that's not too unusual anymore that we do almost all or at least well over mm-hmm. half the beers no the only beer tonight that was a bottle beer was our pre-show beer yeah and that was a. It's a winter beer that dave gave us and just didn't seem right trying to judge a winter yeah. beer <laughs> In August, so I don't remember much about it anyway. So, Four Hands Brewing Decine Tropical IPA, six percent alcohol by volume. This is a rotating. Uh, didn't have much on the website, so I went to Beer Advocate just to get just slightly more information, including the alcohol by volume. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, uh, I think, it's available in for four months or something. Color is well, we're on, we're in like the straw territory. This is the third straw colored beer of the night. A little rubbery note. I'm not getting rubbery. I'm getting like it smells to me like there's fruit juice added to this one. The way it smells, uh, other opposed to okay. like a tropical IPA, I'm smelling clementine, pineapple juice, maybe a touch of mango. But it's so so juicy, but not like not in like a northeast IPA juicy type way. It's in yeah, a, it's like a cut-off juiciness, like a like a concentrate, juice from concentrate. Yeah, it, it smells, I mean, as of right now from the aroma, I would I would put hard money on fruit juice being added to this beer. Let's see if we move on to the flavor. Giant pineapple. And I would still lean on juices being added to this beer. You're right. Right there in the can. You know, brewed with honey, pineapple, and zest. All right. 
So a tropical IPA with pineapples. So let's work. Let's talk about how it pairs and everything. Now that we've done this, yes. Um. So instead of really putting in like a galaxy or mosaic to get that pineapple stuff, they mm-hmm. they went with mostly pineapple juice, and it seems like more of a typical phase two ish hopping. It's it's a significant part of the beer. It's almost like a pineapple radler. Um, Oh, you remember when we had Rad from Six Point? Six Point, yeah, absolutely. Which was a big, juicy thing. That one was, like, more chunky. Like, yeah, well, like that that really, you felt... Like, almost like there was pulp in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was an excellent use of juice. This is kind of... This is very typical... This is what I expect when I see, you know, beers with, with pineapple added. And it's like, okay, it's, it's kind of just... I think it's well put together, but yeah, it's there's not, nothing wrong so, with it. No, no yeah, yeah but, it, it's yeah. not poorly executed. It, it's executed well. It's just not exciting for us. Yeah. yeah, there's not much to dig into here. There's not much to explore. This would be if you if you, you know, have this at a picnic, right? You know, it's just like throw this one back. It would go down easy and mm-hmm. be enjoyable enough. Yeah, this would be fine. This is probably actually better colder because there's frankly not much to it. At this temperature, um, but I bet it would be pretty refreshing if it were colder. Yeah, this is four hands. Where are these guys at again? They are in Missouri. That's right, oh, in Missouri. St. Louis. It pairs with sunglasses and swimming pools. <laughs> That's what's <laughs> Put me up again. Okay, guys. Turn me up again. There's <laughs> the song. Yes. I love boobs in California. Sand in California. Boobs in California. And my staying in California. Yeah, this goes with the song. There we go. We're paired up here with music. <laughs> People have been asking for years. Yeah. We finally did it. Took us nearly 430 episodes to find a beer that goes with the song. The greatest serendipity yeah no it, i mean it's 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 that kind of beer it's just kind of a yeah <laughs> yeah but I, I, better you know better that it's a beer there's nothing wrong with it and, and you know it's certainly it's better than watermelon dorado yes it is by many many lengths yeah i think it's fine if you're looking for a fruit infused uncomplicated IPA. Yeah. That's typically not our <laughs> not our show thing. Yeah. If, if you're doing that, then there's a question as to why you're listening to the show. <laughs> Should have drank that in the beer stick. Yes, right. The beer stick. Which uh, we talked about in the pre-show, but that's a basically a beer bong that, that uh, has a plunger in it, so you can push it <laughs> right. into you very If quickly. you've ever used like a... Well, it's a syringe, right? Yeah, but instead of a needle on the end, it's a nozzle you put your lips around and you push the beer out. And it's fun because it's too long for you to operate yourself, so you have to use your bro's pec muscle. That's right. You have to lean into your bro's pec. Come on, to... bro, got to do the beer stick. Woo! I think I'm gonna ask them for one. Good. If we know the reason they have one, we can hang. Okay. <laughs> 
So, uh, you're pouring the bomber, which is the unjunked stout from Carton Brewing. Uh, 8.5% alcohol by volume, 60 IBU, 42 SRMs, which means really, really dark. Yeah, this looks like a milk stout or something like that. Okay, so so I haven't smelled anything yet. Here's what they say on, in their marketing speak. Think about stouts made with addition to things like coffee is, while they taste just like coffee, in quotes, they taste just, quotes, like coffee. A well-constructed stout is a study of potential flavors. I, I agree with that so far. Mm-hmm. Um... They give a couple things to that could do it. So, but I like that they appreciate the fact that yeah, just putting coffee in it doesn't make it better, or at least in their marketing speak they do. All right. So, Carton Brewing is made at Two Roads in Stratford, Connecticut. So, you know, a Gypsy Brewer or a Beer Marketing Company or something like that. We'll have to look up more about Carton Brewing. I do like their UPC symbol, which is in, in the shape of an open box. Oh. Carton. Which is their logo? Yes. Yep. Drink off the beaten craft. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> their indie beer. Well, we don't know for sure. We don't. They don't have the logo on no, their can no. yet. <laughs> the um, man, there's the craft beer world still going nuts about that thing. Yeah, it, it surprisingly has been. Um, well received, it seems like, or at least for now, as people are going with it. I think so. I think uh, I'm seeing both sides. I'm seeing, well, you know, like probably like four different sides of this thing. Uh, so we talked about that uh, video that the high end did. Uh-huh. Did you see the parody mocking the high I end not, video? No. It was fine until like they had to mock Felipe's accent, you know, like being, you know, just too far for me. You know, it's like if he had a gay affectation, would that be okay to mock? You know, no, it's not, and I don't think it's okay to mock his Spanish accent either. But well, if they mock the other the ways the other guys talk, then it might. Like if they mock the guy like being like, it's a battle. We gotta fight oh, with they, nukes, and we gotta. No, they, they absolutely <laughs> okay. did. I, but I just don't. I don't know. I just when, when the accent part came out, it was just like a step too far for me. I don't know. I just didn't seem. Because you're not then attacking the message. You're attacking. Well, were they attacking what he said as well? I mean, it were. Yeah, but you're. I mean, you're attacking the person as opposed yeah, to the message. I mean, but he did have an accent, so it's not. I mean, it. it I don't know. It, it was already like tied in to be a it parody. Was, it didn't have to. If it was a British accent, would it have felt overboard? It would just because if Spanish the guy accent? doing the original video had a British yeah. accent, I think so. I, I don't know. I don't know, but I would think so. Maybe if they would have changed up the accent. Interesting. Well, this is pro show conversation yes. anyway. Unjunked Carton Brewing. All right. So this thing they talk about coffee in that that descriptor you read. On the aroma, I'm smelling kind of a milk stout or maybe a, maybe a co- chocolate stout. Not getting the smokiness even. Mm-hmm. Or imperial. You know, you're getting some deep, rich, roast-type aromas. The foam on this thing is, is brown, so, you know, it's it's one of the deepest, darkest stouts out there. Mm-hmm. 
It has a pretty smooth body. Yeah. A lot of molasses, a bit of licorice. Um, yeah, oh, so, ooh, okay. Yeah, it, get, it gets complex yeah. as it sits there. So when you take that first sip, it, it tastes kind of creamy and smooth. You know, so you're getting kind of like the milk stout type character or maybe some vanilla or something like that. But it's kind of like a cream. But then after it's gone and you're getting all this uh, volatilization like off your tongue and everything, that's where you get the molasses. Right. Lots the, of the interesting stuff starts to develop. There, mm-hmm. The caramelization, the uh, chocolate bits. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Not really noticing much of the coffee here, which is, I guess you can see there's sort of coffee thing at the end there too but is this this ain't no work coffee stout yeah i mean coffee is not a big part of this yeah. i think a lot of the other components and ending in in the malt character i think the malt character on this one's great huh. there's a little bit of pepperiness in there you know i'm getting kind of a little bit of cayenne this is pretty good. Yeah. I, w- I would definitely put this, like, if you had to pick a kind of stout, I would put this in milk stout mm. as opposed to imperial stout. I don't not, know. It's well, not too boozy. So they say there are just four ingredients in here. Wait, what? Yeah. Go ahead and read the, read the marketing speak. Oh. By unjunct, I think they mean there are no adjuncts in here. Okay. And they managed to do this all with malt. That's okay. impressive. All right. Well, then, I guess it's just the E. Okay. It's a sweet stout, for sure. It's a sweet stout. Um, not apparently a milk stout. And so it's just. Mein Heinzke boot. Just barley yeast. Oh, four ingredients. Hops. They didn't say whether one of them wasn't you know, battery acid or something. <laughs> I'm pretty sure water's in here. Pretty sure hops are in here. Though it can't be certain. Could <laughs> <laughs> be something else that's bitter. Um, yeast to get the alcohol, because there's certainly yeast in there. And, mm. uh, and barley. This is really good. This is the unjunct from Carton Brewing. Made out of two roads. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. This is um it, it, this is pretty I mean frankly for a for a Ryan Hanskip beer this is pretty glorious. What 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 they're doing here. This is pretty exceptional without any adjuncts or anything else. Cuz there's a lot of flavor, there's a lot of things that you would have expected other ingredients to put in here and it still works without it and it still has those uh for sure those things going on. I, re- I don't want to. I don't want to rush this one. This one's <laughs> so good. They mustn't have entered the Can Can Awards. Oh, you haven't tried X much. Yeah, yet, yeah. So. Maybe it's a, yeah. The next one's an Imperial Stout. <laughs> <laughs> there was a story about BPA. It was a one of the beer. Yes, beer advocate. It's a good uh, thing columns. the American Can Yeah show. And. Uh, I found it interesting because, you know, when the BPA thing came up, 
So we should, like we should mention what BPA is. Bifamirazole A. It's basically a petroleum compound that's used in uh, the, the liners of cans. It's also used in, in so many things. It used to be used in lots of plastics. Yeah. Polycarbonate. Uh, I'm not sure if PET ever had it. I don't think it did. I'm not sure. I know polycarbonate did. And, and uh, oh, thermal printed receipts. Yes, right, yeah. That So those kinds of things use BPA, probably still. Uh, but it seems like most of the food stuffs, they were able to take BPA out of pretty quickly. I remember, like, I had a Nalgene bottle. Remember, Nalgene used to be the water bottle to carry around? If you no. say so. Okay. And it was a clear plastic one, right? And it was polycarbonate. Same stuff made CDs out of. Uh-huh. Well, they were BPA. So when Nalgene quickly jumped off of, you know, making BPA-free stuff, the the first ones they put out were polypropylene, which were white. They weren't clear anymore. And then as time went by, they figured out how to make a clear BPA-free water bottle. But, you know, the, the most recent one I have is one of those white polypropylene ones. Uh, so the worry about BPA, from what I understand, is that it leaches, it can leach chemicals into whatever it is that are similar to estrogen. Well, there's two things. That turn that your body turns into estrogen. It builds up into your body, and I don't think you flush it out. So it it's a accumulation over time thing. Any BPA that you get stays with you. And then, yeah, the molecule is very similar to estrogen, so your body sees it as estrogen and gives you effects of having more estrogen. And uh, so in Europe, they're a lot stricter with BPA. I meant to look into whether cans in Europe are different than cans mm-hmm. here. Um, that would be interesting since they are so strict. And there hasn't really been, from, from the stuff you were saying to me, any real test to see how much BPA leaks in, out. In the United the, States, yeah. the, peop, the the manufacturers leaving BPA in the products where they... And we haven't talked about cans specifically yet. In most products, they're able to remove BPA and still have a product. Mm-hmm. And most of that was voluntary. There's no mandate or right. laws or anything in the United States. So there's, nothing, there's nothing that says for sure that this is harmful yeah. in any way. In Europe, it's a little bit different. There are laws. Right. Uh, but, but there's no but, science that says this is harmful in any way. Right. No no full, like, complete science that says, yes, this is harmful. Right. Uh, so for cans, the BPA helps the, the poly... Uh, what kind of material is it? It's... Uh, it's not polycarbonate. It's an epoxy. The, the epoxy liner on the inside. I guess the BPA helps it be thin and consistent. So they can put it in there and they probably spin the cans right. or something like so that. So your beer never actually touches the, the right. metal. Right. Uh, and apparently... Because then you get oxidation with the metal and you get... Apparently there's cases. not a good alternative where they will take BPA out of like all the other plastics you touch. Uh, they can't take it out of can liners just yet. Mm-hmm. So that's, like you said, there's inconclusive science on whether it, how how bad it is. But the science has shown that it can mimic estrogen and that it does build up. There's lots of chemicals building up in your body. Yes. So we don't want that to be like a... Uh... A klaxon, like a warning sign or anything. It's just something to to pay attention to. Right. It'll be curious if 
you know, in the com- I mean, cans, the, the industry has jumped on cans so hard. Mm-hmm. And that's why this article was written. However, the majority of beer drank in the United States for the last 35, 40 years has been in cans. It's probably been in cans. I'm, I'm just pulling this stat out of my rear right now. But cans have been a huge percentage of mass market mm-hmm. beer. Commodity beer. Ever since sure. the you know the pool tab was invented. Yeah. Which was invented in the late sixties, I think. Yep. And now we have these nice ones that are brilliantly engineered. <laughs> so they don't uh, they don't litter, litter. beaches everywhere. Yeah. Uh anyway. Yeah, cans. So taste this lovely bouquet of BPA. As as I said, and as the article said. There has been really no study into how much BPA leaches into beers. Mm-hmm. I have to assume some does, simply because that's just the nature of chemicals. But whether it's you know whether it's any to note, right. I, have no I think your biggest. So here's here's a public service announcement for you. Ir- irrelevant of whether BPA is how bad it is for you. Um, those thermal printed receipts, like don't yeah. don't let your baby stick a receipt right. in its mouth. Right. Yeah. Uh, wash your hands after you if you hold a bunch of them or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a baby like chewing on one of those receipts. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Do do I mention anything to the mom? I I don't know. I didn't. That's yeah. where I mean that stuff rubs off. I mean you you've probably yeah. seen it where those those thermal printed receipts rub off easy. And yeah, it's just powder. Are, it's, yeah, and those are everywhere, everywhere, everywhere uses those now because my guess is it's cheaper. Yeah, then you don't have to have ink in right. your gas station pump, right? Because right. the the rule of paper is its own indelible marking stuff. Anyway, that's a little too pushy for this. We're still drinking these. Uh, yeah, the, the reason why why we're doing this long on it is because this on junk we're just enjoying. It's just it. too delicious. Too damn delicious. So Ex Machina has a big. Uh, <laughs> It's been a good show. Yeah, but I mean, the next year has a very big hurdle to get over if it wants to impress us. It's so creamy. I can't believe there's not lactose in here. I can't believe it's so opaque. I can't believe Mm -hmm. there's not lactose in here. All right. All right. So, ex machina. Ex machina. This is probably the can-can beer that excited me the most. But that Rar and Sons was pretty good, too. Uh, but, you know, gold medal Russian Imperial Stout. Yes, yeah. please. 8% by alcohol volume. This one looks identical on the pour. The head is just as dark brown. From back this beer is in just as opaque. Canned in January. Different on the nose, definitely more. Um, Where's Back East Brewery at? Uh, Bloomfield. Bloomfield, Bloomfield Connecticut. This is part of their Hammer of the Gods series. More roasty and kind of a. Hmm. A little bit woody. There's a hoppiness on this, too. You know, the kind of, you smell, oh, the woodiness is nice. You first take a sniff. I smelled the hops. 
and the hops in the roast kind of made me worried just for a half second about kind of a, a phenolic band-aid-y thing. But then I realized what I was smelling. The woodiness kind of carries through it, almost like a chicory or something. Yeah. It's not bad. I think that the other one was better. Yeah, and Junk should have yeah. entered the competition. Okay, that, that is that is pretty nice, though. It has... I like that chicory note. Like you said, I think chicory is a good mm-hmm. call. Um... There's a, there's more chocolate here. There's more kind of a richness, um, where the other where the unjunk was really bouncing between a whole bunch of different flavors and and had a, had a good sweetness to it to allow that to go through. This is less in terms of sweetness and uh, pretty um, pretty strong in bitterness. I got that. Okay, so I do think this beer has gone spoiled. I'm getting this phenolic thing. It's just band aidy thing. It's just laying on my tongue, especially after the second sip. I, I know where, where you're coming from there, but I don't feel like it has... Let's see if you have a little bit of mind. See if that... If it's just a different uh, part of the beer. Not really. I think yours might be a little smoother, rounder. Mine's a little more stringent. Maybe. You want to mix? Sure. Let's smooth out all the rough edges. I mean, smell your glass right now. You don't smell that? Not band-aid-y so much, no. I mean, it's like a a dirty, like an earthy potting soil (laughs) band-aid. It's still a band-aid. Yeah, those those potting soil band-aids are my favorite to put on all my wounds. There's something in here. I don't, I don't think this can's perfect. It's a step down from the unjunk. Mm-hmm. But um, even with uh, what you think is man-made, I, I think it's more like chicory, but there's still a good beer in there, I think. I think that the, the can that won the award is probably good. I think this can's not good. That's my point, is, is that the, the beer that won the award is probably good. Probably, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying the imperial stout judge doesn't know his <laughs> his imperial stouts. I just think well, that, yeah. he doesn't if he judges this above the unjunk. <laughs> yeah. January twentieth, Kendall, but it's imperial stout. It's like eight percent, nine percent. Should be cool. Yeah, not my thing. Okay. Well, that that leads us to uh, to the ratings, to our ranking, ranking the show. All right, I will go. I'm going to put this one, the Ex Machina, in last place. Ex Machina, Machina, sure. 
in last place. I just couldn't get past the, the spoilage of this can. And we had other very good beers tonight. We did. I'm going to put... Hmm... Put this pineapple thing, this Dakine Tropical IPA from before. Yeah. Hands. Pineapple thing is right. Fifth place. Uh, like it just wasn't. It wasn't complex. It was. It was you know like the song you know it just uh-huh. a fun bubblegum pop song with the you know, pineapple juice. It worked fine. It was a good use of pineapple juice. It just you know doesn't show well on a show like yours. Right. I'm going to put the Bomber ESB in fourth place. It was a tight call for that one. Um, the Bomber ESB was an interesting beer. It was a confusing beer because there's not a style of beer that really matches its stuff. It had some of those ESB notes, but it had this, you know, big hoppiness. It had, uh, you know, a pale aliness, I guess, too, but it was good, but not as good as the next three beers. And now is where it gets pretty tough. I'll put the Maniac in third place. What I liked about this beer was that it still tasted like a Pilsner, even though, you know, it had Citra and Simcoe and Columbus and whatnot in it. Had a good Pilsner malt up front. When I'm putting Rar and Sons in, the it turns Rar into R-A-W-R. Rar. Arg. Oh, so so the manioc, uh, I I liked how it still tasted like a pilsner. Yeah, with those American hops, mm-hmm. and actually the hops came across more spicy than I would have expected otherwise. Maybe the fermentation, the longer fermentation on that beer, changes the impression of of typically American ale type hops and make them seem a little more continental. That'd be a, kind of a study I'd be more interested in, kind of exploring. Is if Simcoe and a lager is different than Simcoe and a nail or something like that. You know, just kind of see the impressions where the only difference is the fermentation. I'm going to put the uh, Rar and Sons in second place. I, I loved this beer. Uh, I thought it came across kind of like coconut or banana cream pie. You know, mm-hmm. a sweeter hefe. Um, good phenolics and bubblegum on the nose, but banana on the flavor. Um the sweetness, it just really worked for me tonight. It was it was really delicious and it drank really easily and I just dug it. That's it's definitely good. The Rar and Sons, check that out. Good Hef Weizen. But this uh this carton brewing, this beer you picked up in Philly, this unjunk stout. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. Delicious. I mean He has three syllables for it. It tasted like a milk stout, but apparently there's no lactose in there. Oh my god! Well done. Well done. Well done. That's all I can say because that beer just stands on its own. My ratings are almost exactly like yours, except I switched the Ryan Sons and the Maniunk. I kind of felt mm-hmm. like the Maniunk was was just like I like the Pilsnerish mm-hmm. thing that was going on there. Uh, I really like the Rarn Sons as well, but I just kind of flipped them. Uh, other than that, yeah, Back East, Dekine, Bomber in 654, and Carton number one. Uh, don't really need to say anymore because I think it's all been said. Okay. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. You can uh, visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to help support us, go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon and buy your Eclipse glasses there. Buy something a lot more expensive than Eclipse glasses, but also buy Or a bunch of Eclipse glasses. Like thousands of them. That'd be great. Give them to all your friends. Get your company to buy Eclipse glasses yes. for everyone at work. You know, because you don't want Eclipse blindness. It's really bad. And it's not... Eclipse blindness has nothing to do with the Eclipse other than it makes people want to look at the sun. Right? Um, sun yes. blindness and eclipse blindness are exactly equal. The only yes. reason more people get eclipse blindness is because everyone's telling them to look up there. Right. I mean, technically, if you're behind uh, a nice piece of glass like your windshield or your car, you- you'll be fine too. UV won't go through, but it's still too bright. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of there's like two or three or four different bad things that happen to your eyes. There's articles on it. You yeah. Read up eclipse blindness if you want. It will not make you urinate, urinate like uh, Slobodan Milosevic said back in 1994. He told Serbians to not go out to the eclipse because it'll cause heart palpitations and urination. Huh. So, that won't happen. Yeah. But it is think. pretty cool for those living in America to get to see a full, a very close to full eclipse. There is another one coming in 2024. It's going to be even closer to home. You can, you can see it um, like up by Cleveland. So, all right. Uh, uh, Twitter at Jeff Bear at CBR Greg at Craft Beer Radio. Thanks everyone for listening, whistling, listening, and we'll talk at you again very soon.